mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be beginning in verse 10 this morning. But by way of review, just to look at, let's look at verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, us word is the King James, toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Of course, in most churches or most places, you're going to hear people talk about coming to salvation, being delivered from the sin nature. But what about coming to repentance? Without repentance, there is no salvation. Metanoia is the Greek, and it means to think differently afterwards. Once you're confronted with the truth of God's word, once you see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and you are one of all, then you must think differently afterwards once you see that God is true and every man is a liar. So you're supposed to change your mind, change your direction, think differently. And I've told you many times that I believe that our entire Christian walk is a, is a walk of repentance. Because we're not perfect yet, so everything, we're coming on Sunday morning, we're coming to the Bible daily, we're reading in the Word, we're meeting with God, and we're wanting to hear truth, and then we change our mind about what we thought, because we were wrong. When your will meets God's will at the cross, you follow the cross, you follow God's will. And listen, this is so amazing, God's long-suffering. He's patient. He's persevering. He's waiting. He wants to get everything he can get out of his most prized possession, the blood of his son, the precious blood. And so he waits. And notice the word will. See, because the word will is a written document. It's like your last will and testament. And so God's not willing. He wrote everybody on the planet, everybody born of, of, of woman, of water, he wrote everybody into his, as an inheritor. He died for everybody. But you have to come and believe and receive or you don't get the inheritance. Think about that for a minute because a lot of times you're like, am I in the will? My great-grandma died. Was I in the will? What did I get? Well, God gives everybody everything to rule and reign with him forever. And all you have to do is believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. But don't forget that you have to repent. Metanoia. You have to think differently once you hear that news and begin to say, wait a minute, I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm following after the wrong desires. I'm living for myself and not for God. So repentance. 
turning the other way. Well, why would I repent? Why would I want salvation? Why do I need to be saved? Because we're all born sinners. And there's going to come a day when God will judge. This is this really, in all of this, is Peter's point. That there's coming judgment. And there's people that says, ah, you can do whatever you want. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. Everything's fine. And he's saying that there's going to be a judgment. And he says that just as God judged before Genesis 6, the angels, and cast them into the abyss who did not keep their proper abode, just as he judged in the, the flood of Noah. Remember that? We've already discussed this. We've, and, and God, what did he do? He released the waters from under the earth and from above the earth. And he released them to flood the earth. And only eight people, the number of new beginnings, survived. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed with brimstone, fire from heaven. Listen to me. God is not slack. God's not tarrying. God's on his perfect timetable. He's outside of time, but he knows when he's going to do what he's going to do. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for judgment? And the only way to escape it is Jesus Christ. The only name, the name above names, the only name by which men can be saved, delivered from the sin nature, delivered from the wrath to come, is Jesus. Have you come to repentance? God is long-suffering. I'm glad he waited until I came. To know his son Jesus. So he's not procrastinating. He's waiting. He's waiting. And we're going to see that. In that. We're supposed to be about his work. About his business. That he's waiting for souls to be saved. And if you and I really believe in Jesus. We should be endeavoring. To be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls with him. That's the only ministry the church has ever been given. To go and be witnesses. To make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, he said. That's the only ministry. He's long-suffering. He's waiting for souls to receive the precious blood, this gift of his Son. And he wants us to be involved as the body as witnesses but make no mistake there is going to be a day that judgment will come and if you remember Ezekiel 33 11 God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked he wanted his blood to cover every soul but there's many who will reject and if you go to hell you go to hell because you reject the payment that was made the propitiation for your sin nature. As we read in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. As a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away. With a great noise. And the elements will melt. With fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it. Will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, blameless, and considering that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking uh, in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, Peter might give testimony that Paul was hard to understand, but we also know that Peter is hard to understand unless we have spiritual eyes to see. So we ask you to open our eyes. Help us to see uh, and hear what you would say to the church today. And may we go and be doers of that not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Teach us to follow close behind you. Help us to hear you clearly and to go out with power. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you will with me, there are those who will tell you that there's no punishment. Eventually, all of us are going to get into heaven. But Peter is trying to be clear with us that just as judgment came before, and we read the testimony in the Old Testament, that judgment is going to come again. It's the day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord, kurios, supreme in authority, will come as a thief in the night. How's it going to look? In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now listen to me, he promised never to flood the earth again completely after that destruction. What did he do then? He released the waters. He had them put in boundaries. God speaks and everything obeys him except for mankind. That's your choice in salvation. We're born with a sin nature that we don't want to obey God. We don't want to obey truth unless we actively surrender. But the waters, the seas, everything obeys God. Remember Jesus spoke and said, peace be still, and the waters went like a sheet of, of ice when the boys were so scared in the boat. And we have a free will whether we can learn to obey him and come to him and cry out to him and do what he says, or we can choose to go right on in our own self-will and ignore him. And never believe the message of the gospel. And never begin to obey him. Listen, there's coming a day. The day of the Lord is what it's called. I believe it starts with uh, the rapture of the church. And it goes all the way through. And we'll read about it here in a little bit. It goes all the way through to where there's a, a seven-year tribulation. Where he pours out his wrath upon the earth. And the, the, the sons of disobedience that would not receive this precious gift of his son's blood. Uh, and become his children again and be in fellowship with him. It goes through, all the way through those seven years, it goes through the thousand-year millennial reign where there's going to be a literal reign of Christ in Jerusalem sitting on a throne. And then 
Even then, for a brief period, Revelation 20 tells us that he'll release Satan for a little bit. Because during that thousand-year millennial reign, there's going to be children born. And they'll be in the very presence of God, and they'll be able to once again be led astray by the devil and choose whether to follow or not. And then we're going to see that he makes all things new. And when he makes all things new, what's he going to do? He's going to destroy first the old. Making it new has the the connotation of freshness. It's new again. You know, in fact, the Bible, Paul tells us that in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So if you say, I'm in Christ. Yes, I believe in Christ. Are you becoming new? Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you putting away the old nature and and kicking it in the face and putting it back in the grave and learning to obey God and learning the word of God so you can see who God is and what he's required of us, oh man? Because it's not a spectator sport. It's not a setting still. It's not I said a prayer so I'm fine. I get in. It's a relationship where you come and bring what you have and surrender to his power and his gifting and his work through you. And you become his hands and feet and go to others so that souls will hear that they're lost. The same way you became saved, if you're saved, is you heard the gospel message and it come to your conscience and you said, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm going to go to hell? What do you mean that I need a savior? What do you mean that Jesus is the only way? And you had to wrestle with that. And then the Holy Spirit gives you faith to either say yes and begin to run or to say no and resist God. And there comes a time where you resist him long enough and he will confirm your heart. And he will use you to show his mighty power upon the earth as he did with Pharaoh. So what is he going to do with this fervent heat and it melts away everything? Think about this for a minute. Just as he took his hands off the waters and allowed them to flood the earth. See, it had never rained. The, uh, the earth it was watered from the four rivers that flowed out of the garden. And he released the boundaries. He just spoke, and those waters went 40 days. They came up from below the reservoirs and all the, every bit of the water underneath, and then they came down. The same thing is going to happen with the fire. Think about it for a minute. There's, there's volcanoes. There's the earth's core. There's all kinds of natural gases and oils, petroleum, everything that we know that will burn. But guess what? Everything's made out of atoms. Remember the atom bomb? Remember, remember the nuclear fission? So when God says and releases that, there's going to be a big bang. Believe me. There's going to be some global warming. It's coming. But those who know Jesus will be with him when all of it burns. There's your big bang. If he releases, he holds the atoms together. He holds all things together. He spoke and created them with his voice. And he wants you to hear his voice. And then he would know you and you will follow him. Very important that we understand this. He's not going to come and just go throw in a bunch of fire. It's already here. He's just going to let it burn up everything. And make new heaven and new earth. The same way he let the waters just leave their boundaries. The same way he allows you freedom of choice to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. He has set us free to follow him. You guys remember I like to tell this all the time. I don't have any confirmation on it. I wasn't alive. Uh, but they have a, a, a testimony of Abraham Lincoln. 
moving through southern Illinois, and he come across a slave auction. And as he stood there, of course, you know, his heart was to abolish slavery and to set people free. And he began to bid on this slave girl. And he wins the bid. And she walks up to him after he wins, and, and he says, you're free. And she says, what do you mean free? He says, you're free to go. You mean go where I want? Yeah, you're free to go. You're free to go. Go. To do what I want to do? Yeah, you're free to do whatever you want to do. And she said, I want to go with you. Because you set me free, and I've never known such love that you would buy me and set me free. And this is what Christ has done for us. If we really understand the payment for our sins, the place we were going, the hell fire that was going to burn us up forever and ever, that's a long time, then we would wake up to what we are called to do now. That's what, that's what his point is here. That we can't just keep living our own selfish life. But we must be concerned about the Father's business if we really understand we've been set free to follow Christ, not to go do what you want. Oh, you still have free will. You still have your sin nature. You still have a choice. But as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord our God. Listen, he's waiting. He's not tardy. He's not procrastinating. He knows that day and hour, and he's coming. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You ever hear noises? My wife hears them all the time. Drives me crazy. She always teases that I pull the covers up and go, eee, go check on that, honey. But I have to get up. And you know what happens when I get up? Now listen, this is, it's crazy. And I, if, you might not know these things, but I get up and go to look, and here's my wife turning on lights behind me. I'm like, honey, quit turning on the lights. They can see me now. I want to see them. They're out there. I want to stay in the dark so that I can see what's going on out there. And I can see if there's a thief coming in the middle of the night to rob me. Listen, when Christ comes and there's a new day and he comes as a thief in the night and all of this happens and he snatches the church out, you're not going to have no time to get up and investigate. You're not going to have no time to search out the truths of this gospel. It's going to be over. Right now is the day for salvation. Right now is the day to be delivered. Right now is the day to know that there's a thief. He, it's the devil. He's come to rob, kill, and destroy you, and he wants to take your stuff. Jesus is not a thief. He comes like one. The devil's the thief. He's stealing truth from you. Every Sunday when you hear a sermon, when you hear truth and you get up and walk out and you don't do anything different, he stole that seed from your heart. But God is trying to plant seeds of truth and he wants you to let them grow. And the only way they're going to grow is if you let them be watered by the Holy Spirit and you continue to draw near. See, when that seed goes in, God is not powerless. If you take the truth and, and, and the Holy Spirit's not powerless, he's God. And you water it and you keep watering it. You say, well, I need to know more. I'm going to go tend that garden in my heart. I'm going to go find out what kind of weeds are in there, what kind of rocks are in there. Well, how do you do that, Greg? Well, you keep getting into the word of God and it comes and cultivates. It continues to point to the other stuff that's in your heart that is deceiving you and stealing from you and robbing you. It's the lies of the devil. And you continue to be sanctified. That's what we call it. Cleansed, washed by the water of the word through the spirit. 
But when you ignore God, you reap what you sow. And if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Don't be surprised when you look up and you go, wait a minute, the church is gone? We used to have a men's home, and it was so funny. I, I tell these same things all the time, these testimonies of what happened. But our men's, our, uh, uh, men's home was in Lafayette, and in the middle of the night, I might have told it last week, I don't know, a couple of the guys decided they didn't want to be there no more. So they left by the back door, and they left the back door open. So some of the other guys get up, and they go, why is the back door open? What's going on? Hey, where did Joe and Mark go? Where are they at? Oh, man, did the rapture happen? They go, did the rapture happen? What are we? And they ran into the steward's house, and they knocked on his door, and they're like, Chuck. And Chuck goes, what's going on? I'm making up these voices just for drama. He goes, I don't know where they're at. Let's call Greg. If he answers, we're okay. But if he's gone, it's the rapture. And so it was just, it's just a funny story. Thief in the night, you wake up, and you go, where's everybody at? That's not the time to find out this truth that we have right now, right before our eyes, and to act upon it. Right now is the day for salvation, not then. Now, I'm not telling you that then you couldn't react, but I'm telling you right now, if you're resisting the Spirit now, you won't even care then. See, a lot of people will say, well, you know what? I just think I'll wait till the tribulation starts, and then I'll believe. I think I can get my head cut off. I think I'll be all right. If you can't live for Jesus right now with the Spirit of God right here helping you, Training you, teaching you, empowering you to go out and tell others. How are you going to live when the Holy Spirit is taken away? How are you going to live for God then? How are you going to endure when we have everything, all the inheritance right now? But we choose to follow everything else. We choose to chase everything else instead of to just come and have a love relationship with God. And listen, He loves you. He loves you. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's why he gave his, only, his most prized possession, his only son, to die for us. But the Bible says, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Again, I'm reminding you of this. I remind myself of it. But precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's precious to him. Why? Because he gave everything to get you across the finish line. We mourn down here when people die. They mourned at the feet of Jesus when he died. But he knew on the other side, he was counting it joy because he knew on the other side that everybody ever born could now choose him and be in fellowship in eternity with him as he was going to go back and be seated at the right hand of the Father and have the glory that he had before. And he wants us to share that with him. That's all it is, his love in fellowship with him. And we choose everything else when he gives us perfect power to say no to everything else, and yes to him. It's going to burn in fervent heat. It's going to happen like a thief in the night. Just when they say, peace, peace, everything's fine, he's going to come. It's at an hour that you do not know of. It's at an hour that you do not understand. And it's coming soon to a neighborhood near you. Then it's all going to burn up when he releases it. I believe now that... I. 
in, in, in a sense, I believe the second coming of the Lord entails everything from the rapture of the church through the seven years, through the thousand years, and then through the judgments. That's his coming. That's his day when we're all culminated. He came once as the Lamb of God uh, on a donkey, a beast of burden to take away the sins of the world. And he's coming back as a conquering king on a white horse. And that starts with the rapture when he puts his kids in the house and takes them home. And then he begins to pour out his wrath, which we are not appointed for, upon the sons of disobedience, upon the enemies of the cross, upon those that follow the government of the devil and not the government of God. And listen, as I've spoke of, there's only two governments. There's only two governments. There's the government of God and everything else, no matter what it looks like, no matter what idea they have, is the government of the devil. We know that the Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath wickedness, underneath the sway of the wicked one. But he also says, my sheep, John 10, 27, hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. They're in the way with me. They have chosen to follow me because I set them free, just as the slave girl did with Abraham Lincoln. Can't confirm that, by the way. It's going to be noise. The great, there's your big bang. See, the devil likes to try to flip it upside down. He takes what he knows is going to be final judgment, and he tries to flip it upside down and says, there's no creator. It was all big bang. And, but it's really going to happen at the end of the age, not where him. That's not how it began. It's how it ends. And he always likes to flip things upside down and get you following backward. In fact, we're all born in, the, in this life, and even in the garden, Adam and Eve were created in a trichotomy. I told you guys this before. It's worth repeating. They were created in the garden spirit. Notice the order. Then soul and then body, their earthly tent. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. The spirit was that which has fellowship with God. And they had great fellowship with God, and they walked into the garden until another government, another guy comes in, the devil, and he says, nah, he's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. You now have a choice, Eve, either... Follow God or follow what I'm telling you, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And she chose to listen. Adam chose to follow, and it flipped him upside downward, the way devil wants us to work. And so the body was first. Whatever feels good, just do it. Take care of your earthly tent. That's why we have all these knotlesses, and we have all the vanity, and we have everything, and we're afraid to grow old. And then second is your mind, will, and emotions. And while you're freaking out on vanity and all this other stuff, it really messes up your mind, will, and emotions. And your spirit is starved to death because it has no fellowship with God. But Jesus comes and he breathes on you again. And you receive that. You hear, you go, wow. And it flips you right side up. And now your spirit is supposed to be first. And as you're listening with your spirit and you're sanctified in your spirit and it is with God in position and it's perfect, practically, now he's working on your mind, will, and emotions. Are you going to believe me? Are you going to let me change your desires? Are you going to begin to follow truth and follow me and tell your body no? Because I'm going to give you a new body. Just keep telling it no. Just say no, no, no. That's what my Bible study used to say. He said he'd get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and go no, no, no. Because he knew that he was going to try to control his life instead of God. So he would just say no to it every morning. Denying self. Taking up your cross and following after me is what Jesus said. Listen, it's coming. We are a trichotomy. 
That's three in one, just like God is a trichotomy. That's the image we were built in, in the three. But the world wants you to believe in a dichotomy. That's two. That you don't have a spirit. All you have is your mind, will, and emotions and your body. That's why they give you all this pharmacy. It's taking care of your body and keeping you alive forever. It's going to help you while you deal with your mind, will, and emotions. That's why they try to take over your mind, will, and emotions, and they tell you that there's, there's no creator, there's the Big Bang, there's evolution. Listen to me. That's why lies have increased and increased and increased. They control you when you don't know the truth, and you followed them instead of following God. We are a trichotomy, not a dichotomy. Every theory that they have is fluid. Every theory that they have starts with a hypothesis. Their hypothesis starts without God because they deal with dichotomy, not trichotomy. Listen to me. So therefore, they start with a lie. They have to end in a lie. Anytime you start with a lie, you can't get to truth. If they would start allowing God to be involved, you could get to truth eventually. Sorry, that was like a sidebar. I don't know who needed to hear that. There's going to be a great noise. You ever, you ever see a big bonfire? And you hear the poppling and the crackling? If you throw some cans in there, you have some explosions, you know, and it's really cool stuff. Don't do that, you pyromaniacs. But listen to me. It's making all that noise. Think about when the whole everything burns. And the gas is here, and the gas is there, and the oil's here. And then the atoms are released and you have this explosion and everything goes away and then he makes all things new the earth is groaning for redemption the bible tells us let's look it's all going to be burned up all look at, it says there in verse 10 and the works that are in it where's your works being hidden at Listen, even in the Bema Seat judgment, when the Christians get to heaven, we're going to go into heaven, and everything that we did that wasn't by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God will be burned up. It's going to be burned up. But if it was for God, then we receive reward. And those rewards are we get to rule and reign and be with Him for eternity, but we also get to go out and be ahead of different places or, or in different places. No, I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea, but I know it's, I'm going to like it. I know it's going to be good. I know that one day he'll wipe away every tear. But the question is, is where is your works going to be? Are they going to be all burned up? Are you doing anything for God? Or is it all for self? See, there's nothing wrong with having a job. In fact, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But don't forget, it balances it when it says your hungry mouth is what drives you on. That's why you work, because you're a hungry mouth. You're feeding your own flesh. There's nothing wrong with being in the world, but it's when we are of the world that we cannot be at both places. You can't be of the world and then in Christ. Because our motivation has to come from a different place. Our power, our strength, our might, our values are totally different because we know that we are a trichotomy and we're, we're created in the image of God. And his entire economy is about people. It's about the souls of mankind. How do I know? He gave his most prized possession to win those souls back to his family. So I know everything about him is about souls. It's about people. And so when you see a church or you see a people and everything about them is about stuff, it's about material goods, it may look like a nice church. We just talked about it. Look at it in Revelation 3, 14 through 22. We just talked about it Friday night. 
The church in Laodicea made God so sick, he said, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because he couldn't stand their works. They had need of nothing because they had all kinds of money. They had everything. But they didn't have Christ. And if you have everything, it's nothing if you don't have Christ. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Because that's what it's about. It's about the ministry of reconciliation of souls to God. The only way to do that is God's way, by His Spirit, for His glory. And that means we stop being self-centered and we start being God-centered and others-oriented. You have to be about others. Where does depression come from? Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word will make it glad. That's, that, that's the Bible. I don't, have, I don't have anything else to tell you. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your own problems. I'm not saying your problems don't exist. I'm not saying your pains and the things going on around you aren't there. But get your eyes on ministering to others and getting the gospel out of doing the work of God. And he'll take care of that. The Bible's clear on it. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he, what, will forget you, leave you? No, all these other things will be added to you. It's Matthew 6, 33. When you get your vertical right, Lord, you bought me, you paid for me, I'm an ambassador, oh, my only calling is souls, the ministry of reconciliation, so no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm working 12 hours or 24 hours, or, or I'm working this split shift, or, or legs broke, or I have this problem, or that problem, or dad just died, no matter what's going on, I'm going to seek you first, my vertical relationship, and then I know you're going to add and take care of the horizontal. That everything's going to come into play. I'm going to know what to say. I'm going to have wisdom. I'm going to have understanding. I'm going to be able to see the lies of the devil. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be watching, waiting, and working, and ready when you come instead of a thief in the night taking all my stuff. I'm going to be armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it doesn't matter what they do down here because all this is going to be burned up, and I'm going to be safe with God. I'm going to be hidden in Christ. And when Christ appears, Colossians 3 says that, that we will appear with him. But we got to get our focus right. So many Christians have spiritual glaucoma that they're looking at everything else to make them feel important instead of looking at their identity, looking at the truth, looking at what Christ has done, looking at what he's called us to do. And we go, well, I don't feel saved. Well, of course you don't feel saved. When you're living like a pit dweller, you can't feel saved. Oh, I don't sin like that. Well, of course you might not sin like that. You might have great morals. You might say please and thank you. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you're still going to hell. Because that's the only way to get into heaven is to believe in the blood of Jesus and then do it his way. And so he's long-suffering. He's waiting. He's wanting us to change our mind, to think differently, to stop listening to the lies down here that get us chasing the American dream and everything else. It's getting ready to be burned up, believe me. Big bang is happening. Global warming will be real, realer than you could ever imagine, but we'll be safe. That's what the word salvation means, safe. Delivered into the fatherless, Father's house, delivered from the wrath to come. That's the, what salvation means. I'm going to be safe, sitting by a warm fire in his presence when everything burns up. Now, that might be a little bit of stretching it. I don't know. But the Father's house needs to have a fireplace. Be nice, wouldn't it? Cozy, warm, 
sit on his knee. I'm sorry. I'll quit that. Verse 11, therefore. Now, everything that he's told us for, for two and a half chapters, therefore. When it's therefore, you always look back to see what it's there for. If we know that this is coming, it, we can't listen to false teachers. We can't be lulled to sleep. We can't be deceived. We must be watching. It, therefore, all of this is true. You should be growing in the knowledge of God. You should be adding to your faith, he said in chapter uh, 2. Chapter 1. Add to your faith all of these other things and grow in the grace and the knowledge. Always be on the grow. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, here's the question. Here's the question you have to ask yourself because it's a personal relationship. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Listen, if you know it's coming, if you know the thief was coming, what would you be doing? You would be like a sentry. Dude's coming tonight. I'm ready for him. I've been practicing. With, I've, been, I've been out target practicing. He comes in. He ain't getting nothing. You're watching. You're like a sentry. See, we've been blessed to have Christ at our heart's door. So nobody can plunder our house. Christ is guarding our house if you're growing in his relationship. If you're his child. In fact, I can tell you, it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. Excuse me. With thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That, that guard is a sentry standing guard at your heart. When you're looking to God. When you're... When you're going, I, he's got this. He bought me. He paid for me. Now I'm his. He has to deal with me. And he's standing at your heart's door. When the enemy comes with lies, he's like, that's a lie, Greg. Do you see that's a lie? Now you've been falling for a couple of weeks and you don't know it's a lie. I, I, and he's pleading with you through the Holy Spirit. Stop doing that. That's a lie. That's death. That's death culture. Don't follow that. Listen, if you've been watching the news and you're real anxious because of all the things going on, just stop watching the news. Just stop watching the news. And start reading your Bible. And ask God to give you faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's not hearing with your ears. It's hearing with your heart. And it's a hearing with, with, with a connotation of going and obeying. It's a hearing with believing. It's a hearing with trusting and knowing that he is giving you peace and rest. He didn't bring you anxiety. He's with us always for the end of the age. And he's going to release, just as he released the water, one day he's going to release the fire. And guess what? Even the water will be burned up. Because water is gaseous. It's made of atoms. Water burns up. Ask any fireman. They go, don't put that on that fire. You better put some of this dust we made over here. You put water on that, it's just going to explode higher. Water is going to be all burned up. We'll read about it in a minute if we have any time. If we don't have time, you can read about it later in um, Revelation 21. Listen to me. What manner of persons... Ought we to be? What sort? Everything's going to be dissolved, consumed wholly, burnt down, raised, gone, perish. When he comes like a thief in the night. That's, the word means stealer. It's kleptus. It's where we get the word kleptomania from. Kleptus. What manner? What manner what? Oh, I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. No, no, no. What manner ought you to be in holy 
saintly. That's hagios. It's the saint. It's the one that's set apart for God in holy conduct and godliness. Let's stop right there then. See, because this is where this translation is, is terrible. See, that word is conversation in the Greek. How should you be in conversation? Not conduct. It means your behavior, but conversation. Think about that for a minute. It's what are you talking about? See, we change it in the New King James to conduct because we go, well, it means behavior. But wait a minute. God's after the heart, and that's where my conversation comes from. And my conversation, I can tell you about what people are talking about, what their conduct is. But first, it has to go back to the heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're not talking about the oracles of God and, and, and looking to save souls and speaking the word of God to people, and I'm not talking about perfectly, but that's our target. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, who's taken everything that's Jesus, he lives in you, and that's what he wants to do with everything you have right now. He wants to save souls still. He wants them to see Jesus. Why? Because the blood is precious. And because God didn't give it, he didn't want it trampled underfoot. He wants as many who would come to repentance to come repentance. And that's why he's long-suffering. So it's your conversation, not conduct. Because listen, so many people, they have a conduct. They got good morals. They go to church. But their heart is wicked. Because they haven't had it changed. They're not having it sanctified. They're not obeying. They just hear and they act like. And you can become a Christian just with Christian ease. Listen to me. That's your conduct. That's your outer acts. That's the way you dress. But what's your heart? Only the word of God can do surgery on your heart with the sword of the spirit when you look into the perfect law of liberty. And it only does the surgery and makes you like Christ if you say, Lord, give me a, not just an ear to hear, but an ear to obey, to observe all that you commanded till the end of the age. And then your desires begin to change. Then what you talk about begins to change. Then everything about your life begins to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you begin to see the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, even when the house is burning down around you. You can have peace because you're spending time with God and you're letting him change how you think. See, most people go to church, but they're still letting the world dictate what they think about. They're letting the world and the news tell them what to think about what they think about. And that's called earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and knowledge. Here, let me, I got saved. I'm out of my burning house, but you're still telling me what to do. I'm still listening to the wrong voice. So I'm still in my heart, my conversation. My conduct might change on Sunday morning, but my heart and my conversation through the week has not because I still believe the lies of the world. And so that thief is stealing from me, and I won't be ready when he comes as a thief in the night. Are you ready? What are you doing? What manner of persons ought we to be in holy conversation? See, because talking about Jesus glorifying God, telling people that, that hey, the house is getting ready to burn down. So if you was driving by some house and it was on fire, would you go, you know what, I'm on my way to the store to get a steak. I'm just going to go get my food. I, you know, somebody else will tell them their house is on fire. Think about it for a minute. Because I've done that. I've drove by and see smoke, and I'm like, man, that house is on fire. i got to go, only to find out it was a grill where they were just having fun entertaining themselves. You feel like a fool, but you need to know whether that house is burning down or not. You can't just drive by and go, that house is burning down. Well, see, people's spiritual houses are burning down all around you. And you're like, hey, 
We'll get some steak tonight. How you doing? And they're dying and they're going to hell. And you have the only thing that they need is your conversation about Jesus. You know that, that, that soon it's all going to burn up. Soon it's all going to be gone and they're going to be in hell. Do we care? Does the love of God compel us to say anything? Does our behavior change? What manner of person should we be if we really believe this? That's his point. That it's coming. Do we really believe it? And listen, I, I ain't arrived nowhere. Don't, don't get it wrong. I can sit right there and listen to this the same way and be as convicted as you are right now, even though really, it really is really trying on people from Texas. People in Texas take this much harder. It's supposed to be a joke. It's a little levity to lighten it. But, but we continue to chase everything else. And we don't just chase it. We think everybody talking is talking about us. We think they're thinking about us. We think it's all about us. And it's not. It's about God. This is all about God. Showing his great love toward his creation and having fellowship with him. It's all about God for eternity. It's not about us. But the devil wants you to think it's all about you. And whatever you decide you want to do and how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and the nature you want to do it, and anytime you want to do it, it's okay. But God says, no, judgment's coming. It's not okay. Have you repented? Have you changed your mind? Have you thought differently since you met Jesus? Or do you still do the exact same things? Because I want your conversation. God says he wants your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Where does it flow from? The way you do or the things you say and the things you do. Sunday is equipping station. So that Monday through Saturday, you can tell other people with your conversation and your actions that it's getting ready to burn. Now, you don't have to be fire and brimstone. You can tell them it's going to burn without that. But it's love when you tell somebody, hey, that's not right. That's wrong. That's going to lead to death. That is death. You need Jesus. That's the greatest love you can ever do. But the devil has successfully silenced us. So what manner of persons ought you to be in your conversation and in your holiness, your godliness, your holiness, the gospel scheme, now that you know these truths? Verse 12, looking, where are you looking? For and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved. He tells us again. That's why. That's why we're looking for. That's why we're watching. We don't want him to come as a thief on us because it's all going to be dissolved. It's, it's being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Do we care? Looking means to watch, to anticipate, to, to, to uh, it, it, it isn't hope or fear. Listen. If you don't know Jesus, you should have a godly fear that it's coming. If you know him, you should be anticipating, hoping for that day. You're saying, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You're out doing it. But, but you know what? It's, it's, it's the old um, mom telling the kid that was being mean, you wait till your dad gets home. Think about that. There's a little bit of difference. If you've been misbehaving in the father's house, and he's coming home after work, and mom's going to tell him, your expectation is a little different, isn't it? But when you are actually trying to grow, you're confessing your sin. Jesus already paid for all your sins, by the way. That sets you free to run. That sets you free to follow. 
You don't have to run off and do the other things. So when the Father comes, you don't have to be ashamed. We can be, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But boy, if you've been misbehaving in the home and, and dad's coming home, yeah, it might make you shrink back. It might make you a little bit ashamed. But you can have boldness because he forgives you. He loves you. He's paid for it already. All the wrath of God has been taken upon Jesus. You do not have to participate in the fire. Where are you looking at? Are you looking and hastening? Are you trying to, trying to diligently or earnestly urge that day to come by doing the work of the ministry? Because when, when that last person is saved, that's supposed to be saved, because there is a last person. There has to be a last person that's going to be saved, or we would do this forever. There has to be that final person saved. Are you looking for them? Is your holy conversation speaking to them everywhere you go? I know it gets difficult. You get caught up in what you want to do, and you forget all about that. It's not about getting gas. Well, y'all do is, Greg, I got to get it home. No, no, no. Do you want to get home up there, not home at your house? It's all about that soul that's standing there at the gas pump that may need to hear something, that may need somebody. They might be getting ready to go home. We had a guy who used to come to our church, and, and he'd come every, every Sunday, and he'd, he, and he'd cause so much commotion saying he's going to go home and kill himself. And we would deal with him. We'd talk to him. We'd talk to him. We'd talk to him. You know what? One Sunday he did. How sad that was because we were giving him hope. We were trying to counsel. We were trying to talk with him. One Sunday, it wasn't a joke, and he went home and killed himself. The hope of Jesus is all people have. If you're hoping in this world that's going to burn, if everything about you is the American dream and you're just trying to store up some, 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 some uh, money so you can retire and you can actually just set back and take your ease, the devil is going to destroy you. He's going to destroy you because your focus is in the wrong place. Now, if you want to focus upon Jesus and live for him and pursue souls, and, and in the meantime, you're working and your retirement comes about, I would encourage you to retire and volunteer for the church. I would encourage you to retire and volunteer to go tell somebody about Jesus because once you quit, I mean, it's the devil's playground. Well, I don't see it anywhere in the Bible that we're going to all move to Florida and become golf pros. I mean, but that's where the Christians are going. Might be a good place to go until they get rid of this governor. Because it's all going to be dissolved. Listen to me, people. Our hope is in Christ. Judgment is coming. 13, nevertheless, we, when you see we are or the we in there, that's the body of Christ. You are, that's you, your identity. These are important words. Nevertheless, we... Because the fire is coming. Judgment's coming. God's going to judge. We, the church, his children, according to his promise. This is a promise he made swearing upon himself. Not a promise that we're part of. He promised that he was going to do this. Look, this is where we're looking, for new, fresh heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells forever. That's the house of righteousness. Why? Because Christ is righteousness. That's how we got righteousness. He gave it to us. Look at, uh, let's look at uh, Revelation uh, 21. I did that again, people. I didn't even look to see what time I started, so I don't know what time to end. So when the message is over, that's when we end. 
because we need to be equipped, and God has a message for you this morning. He wants you to go and grow. He doesn't want you to continue to, to, to lay around and, and think that because you said a prayer once, you're okay. That's from the devil. That's from the thief. That's something that would rob, kill, and destroy you. This is not a spectator sport. This is something where we follow. We're growing. We're learning the knowledge. We're being used by God as his hands and feet. Now, I'm just going to tell you that, you know, it started with the uh, 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 rapture, the seven years. There's, there's chapters uh, four through, in my opinion, the end of 19. And then we see that uh, in 20, Revelation 20, there's a, a, a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. The saints reign with him, four through six. Seven, he's released for a short period to deceive. 11, 2011 is the great white throne judgment, and the books are going to be open. And if your name's not in that book because you've been listening to his voice and you covered in the precious blood, then you're going to be cast into the lake of fire with the devil but 21, let's look at 21, where God makes all things new. 21.1, now I saw, this is John in heaven, John the revelator. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. How? With fervent heat. And there was no more sea. See, there's no more water because it burned up too. I, that's the way I think anyway. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So it's already there, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Listen, it's an interesting ministry because you and I are the bride of Christ, and we're supposed to be being prepared now, being adorned, being clothed in righteousness, learning to be the bride of Christ. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the temple of God, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell, he will abide with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is finished. It is done. To telestai. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you thirst for righteousness? Are you thirsting in this life? What manner should we be now so that we can be here then? You know, it's interesting, and, I, and I, you can go look at it yourself, but, well, no, let's, let's just kind of, I'll hold a page here. He's talking about wiping away every tear. Do you know, it's really interesting that in Isaiah, the very last verse of Isaiah 66, 24, do you know what it says? It says, and they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Do you know if you can see that? Something had to change dramatically in your life by the time you got to heaven. If you have no more tears and no more pain, no more sorrow, and somehow you looked upon those and you know some of your family, some people that are in that fire and it doesn't bother you anymore, something had to change. Now, I don't know if that's a brief glimpse before he takes away all the tears. 
before he takes away all the pain? I don't know. It just says that in the very last verse of Isaiah, which is a small type of the Bible with 66 chapters, just like the 66 books. Let's just go back. Um, Revelation 21, 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. How do we overcome? By believing in Christ. That's the number one way, the blood of Jesus. But we also are supposed to be sanctified if we're alive. Now, the guy on the cross, remember, but next to Jesus, he said, today you'll see me in paradise. He didn't have any time to get down and his conversation to change. But did his conversation change on the cross? First, he was ridiculing Jesus, and his conversation changed. He looked at the other guy and said, you revile the Son of God? His conversation changed because his heart changed. His life changed. And there was evidence right there of someone who believed he was the Son of God. He who overcomes shall inherit. It's a gift. It's given freely to all who will believe in Christ. And I will be his God and he shall be my son or my children. Isn't that cool? But, oh, here's this big but. The cowardly, listen to me, the very first thing that's in this list in Revelation 21, King James, the fearful. Listen to me, because I want you to know that the devil uses fear to kill your faith. He uses fear to kill your faith, and you begin to trust in what you see instead of trusting by faith in God, the unseen. You, oh, and you look and you go, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, fear destroys your faith. Fear that God's not with you always, even to the end of the age. Fear that God didn't know it was going to happen. Fear is what the devil uses to destroy your faith. But when you're standing in the victory of Christ, you never fear man. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, if you're getting ready to walk down a dark alley and somebody's got a gun and they're going, give me your money, you know, there might be a little apprehension. I mean, but, but you don't have to act stupid because if the fear makes you turn and run, they might shoot you. That would be dumb. You want to comply. You want to have your wit together because you know you're serving God. You might even want to tell them about Jesus. Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have in the name of Jesus. Put down that gun. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Listen to me. The first thing is fear. Is it surprising that so many people are paralyzed by fear? Uh, what if I open my mouth to say something about Jesus and he doesn't show up? He'll be there. If you have a heart to share Jesus at the gas pump, he'll be there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But fear silences Fear makes us do things. Fear will, I mean, that's what the devil knows that. The Bible says the fear of God produces righteousness, but the fear, fear of man produces a stumbling block. And there's a lot of things that people are afraid of. Now, I'm not telling you you're supposed to be King Kong or nothing like that, but you grow in this trusting of God. And your fear of God can start out with like, oh my goodness, he's going to burn me up. I'm going to be fire. I'm going to go to hell. Well, yeah, that's what he said. That's the truth that should make you want to think about your house burning down. Or your neighbor's house is burning down. Or your family's house is burning down. But then as you grow and you come to know this love, you don't fear him that way anymore. 
You're not worried about punishment because you realize Jesus took all the punishment. You're not appointed for wrath. Now, even when I mess up, and I don't want to do it, God forbid, on purpose, but even when I mess up, it's already covered in the blood. He died for all sins of the world, past, present, and future. And all I have to do is agree that it was sin. Now, be careful. You can get into a rut in that and continue to sin and think God's forgiving you and you're really deceiving yourself and he will harden your heart and you'll have that. It'll be there always. And it will affect you because even confessing your sin to God doesn't affect God. Nothing about this affects God. God's the unchanging one. But notice the very first thing that he says is the fearful. Well, why is that important? Because at the end of it, he's going to say, they don't have any part in the kingdom of God. Listen, the fearful, the unbelieving, apistus. Pistus means to have faith in God. Apistus, a is the word for no. No faith. Abominable. Let me see, I looked these up. Abominable means to stink, to be disgusted. To detest, to abhor. Listen to me. I don't know if you guys know, but right now in the world, because of the devil, the liar, the thief, that Christians or people who follow the Bible and tell the truth, they're the ones that are becoming abhorrent. But God says, I love you. I want you to be like my son. And those that are truly abhorrent, that are following the government of the devil, they're the ones that's not coming into the heaven. See, but right now, good is bad and bad is good. And, and we're looking like we're the ones that won't allow peace to be on the earth. People who preach the Bible and teach the truth and says this fear is from the devil. That, that this is all from the devil. It's the devil's government. It's one world order. It's not godly for a Christian to act like this and to follow the government of the world. That's the ones that are becoming abhorrent. Why? Because we're against the devil's kingdom. We're preaching truth. So now we're going to become abhorrent here, but we're going to be with him there when all of this burns. So you want to stand with God. You don't want to stand with the world and its government. Murderers. Now, this is a very interesting word. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> word because it's the word phone with us on the end of it why is that important we've talked about it my sheep hear my phone my sheep hear my phone my voice i know them and they follow me a murderer is one who phone us is a murderer somebody that keeps people from hearing the voice of god is that really the one because essentially everybody that doesn't hear the voice of god is going to go to hell they're going to end in death. They don't get to come to life. This word for murderers is phonus, phoneus, and it means to be intentional homicide. And so when we're called to be ambassadors and we intentionally don't tell people about the word of God, are we intentionally allowing them to die and their house to burn down? I'm not trying to put any guilt on you. I'm trying to stir you up to love and good works and to go out and be what your inheritance has called you to be, what Christ died to give us so that we could walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and go out and tell others that it's going to burn and they don't have to burn. It's just an interesting word. Porneoa, pornea, pornoa uh, is the next one, sexually immoral. It's uh, translated fornication five times. It's translated 
uh, whoremonger five times. It means a male prostitute. It's someone who's having sex outside of the marriage bed. Outside of the confines of God. And that's what the devil always wants you to do is just pervert what he created. Nothing wrong with sex, but when you pervert it and it's not inside the marriage bed where it's undefiled, then it becomes pornea. It becomes sin. Sorcerers. This is the big one that we should have on our plate today because it actually means a pharmacist. That's what that word means right there. It means a pharmacist. It, it means one who mixes um, a potion or a spell. It's a druggist or a poisoner, someone who poisons you. That's what that is. And it's actually not sorcerer and witchcraft until after it's the pharmacist. Listen, when people do drugs, when people, legal or illegal, uh, although some legal drugs may be good for you, you know, it's, it's, it's a very slippery slope, and I don't want to be mean, but I got to tell you the truth that sometimes you begin to think that your heart's still beating because you take the heart medication, and you're trusting in it instead of trusting in God. Now, it's just something that slips up on you, and you think, oh, my goodness, I forgot to take my medication. But you don't say, oh, my goodness, I forgot to read my Bible and talk to God this morning when you don't do that. So your conversation and your words and your conduct tells you what you're really trusting in. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have heart medication. That's all I'm saying. But I do know that there's a whole list of side effects for having it. But there's a huge list of side effects for not having God in your spiritual heart. And they all end in fire. But this is pharmacy. It just so happens on the planet right now that we are being forced into fear forced into bondage, and forced into pharmacy if we want to buy, sell, and trade. But don't, never fear, there's going to be a leader come that says, oh, you don't have to do all that if you'll just take this little chip. If you'll take this little mark. You won't have to do any of that. And I'll save the planet. I am the Savior. No, Jesus is the Savior, buddy. There ain't no other Savior coming. There's no other name under heaven and earth by men can be saved. And see, and if all of our concern is, is to save the country or save the neighborhood or save this physical house burning down and we ignore a spiritual house that's burning down, we are in trouble at the heart of our Christian walk. I am never telling you to let somebody starve to death, but if they're starving in their soul and you feed their flesh, you put a pillow under their head and they will go to hell. But if you talk to them about Jesus and feed their soul, they'll get up and get a job and learn to work and feed themselves. And you won't have to leave them in that place. But see, the government that's of the world, the government that's of the devil, they want you to be dependent upon them, afraid of them, and look to them in everything and miss Jesus. It's really actually simple if you just look at it. So it's sorcery. If you're not afraid, then they're mad at you. Because that's what they're using to control the masses right now. It's fear. Listen, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Let's just look here. Idol idolaters and liars, that's all lies, have, no, have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Look what it says here because I want to get to this, which is the second death. Huh? 
The second death, listen, all of us are going to die. It's appointed for man to die once, then comes the judgment. The, the question is, are you going to die once or die twice? See, if you're born once, you die twice. That's what that second death means. If you're born twice, you only die once. Uh-huh. If you're born from your mother and then you're born again of blood in Christ, you're only going to die in the physical body and you're going to live for eternity with God. But if you are only born from your mother in water and you never believe in the precious blood of Jesus and receive that payment, you're going to die a physical death and then you're going to die a hellfire death in eternity separated from God. The second death. Notice what he calls them. They have no part in this. They're going to have their place in the lake of fire. And this is the second death. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy city Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates, and the names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and and. On them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. wonder who that 12th one is. Paul, I, didn't, I, mean, I don't know, Paul. It could be Paul, but I don't know if it's Paul. I think it's Paul, but I'm sorry. could be you. Um, and he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. And he's making all things new. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. It's a cube. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Uh, in length, breadth, and height are equal. That's 14, 000, or 1,400 miles, I think. Uh, then he measured. See, the walls were uh, 144 feet thick, I think. Let me look at my note. The walls are 144, 12 by 12, uh, 200 feet thick. And the breadth of it was 1,400 miles. I don't know. I don't. It, it sounds great. I love it. I'll see it when I get there. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured it, uh, its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. Pure gold, so clear. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Uh, listen. The foundation of the wall of the city was adorned with all kinds of precious stone. And the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedonia, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the uh, eighth beryl, uh, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysoprase. I, I don't even know if I'm saying them right. The eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. That's a big oyster. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Notice the building materials in heaven is everything you count dear down here. Listen, God's economy is in souls. He's not broke. He uses this stuff that we think, the material goods that we think are valuable, he uses them to build his city up there. They mean nothing. He's not broke. Souls is what he gave the precious blood of Jesus for. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is its light, the light of the world. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. We should start that down here. What manner of man should we be? We should be walking in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship of one another, we're told in 1 John. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor to it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. Now, there are those liars that say, well, if the gates ain't shut, that means that everybody gets in because the door's still open. No, there's no enemy anymore. You don't have to close the door when there's no enemy. <laughs> there was a time even in here that I never locked my doors ever. Never locked them. Used to say, well, I don't want to have to replace a doorknob if they break in. Why lock the door? If they want it, let them get it. Now we lock our door and we watch for the thief. I hope you're watching for the thief that kicks in your spiritual door. There will be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because you believe in Jesus' finished works? Finished works on the cross. Let's look back at our text and we'll close this up. He promises not only then to make all things new, but right now he promises you that you're a new creation. The old passes away, the new comes. But you have to think differently or it doesn't happen. If you stay with a hard heart and continue to do everything the way you've always done it and say, I already know and I've already got this and I can already figure it out and this is still my plans, this is still my desires, this is still my way, I'm still on the throne, then he ain't on the throne and he'll leave the room. He'll leave the house. He's not going to force himself upon you. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears, you guys have heard this a million times, the rap of my knuckles. No, if anyone hears my voice, my phone and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. There's a fellowship. But you have to open the door by changing your mind and saying, I've had God locked out. I want him to come in and dine with me and have fellowship with him so that he can change my heart, my conversation to what he wants me to talk about, how he wants me to live. And once your heart begins to change, I guarantee your conduct will change. Your behavior will change. The places you go will change. It will not be about this world. He's going to make all things new. Verse 14 of chapter 3, 2 Peter. Therefore, again, therefore, look back what it's there for. Beloved. I was thinking about this the other day. David means beloved of God, and David was a man after God's own heart. And in the New Testament, they always call the church the beloved. And so we're supposed to be people after God's own heart, to follow what his desires are and what his heart is for what? That none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Beloved, looking forward to these things. Are you looking forward to these things? Are you kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want him to come back yet? Be careful with that because Lot's wife looked back and didn't want to be rescued be diligent there's that word again diligent be diligent that's what he said be diligent to add to your faith 
Diligent means to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt, to be earnest. Same word that's used in 2 Timothy 2.15 when he says, Be diligent to present yourself a workman unto God that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent to do this. Learn the word of truth. This is what God's people do. They spend a little time in the word of God to find the heart of God and the face of God so they can tell others about it because everything's going to burn up soon. Be diligent to be found by him. Listen, it's not about what you think. It's not about what you say. Is he going to find you about his work? If, if you, would you pass the test? Found in him, found by him in peace, rest, the peace that surpasses all understanding, without spot and blameless. You know, James in 127 says that pure and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Sometimes when I look at myself, I see a Dalmatian. Lots of spots of things I still want to pursue that are not about God. And consider, take into account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. We go, man, come quickly. But listen, while God waits, you're supposed to go out and it's salvation for other people. It's deliverance for other people. It's salvation. Because you're sharing the gospel. It's other people that he doesn't want any to perish. So the reason he hasn't come back yet is because he's wanting you to take the message of salvation to others. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him. Notice the wisdom was not from the world. It was given to him from above. It's the word Sophia. It can be earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom. But it was given to him to speak the oracles of God has written to you. So Peter's seen some letters that were written to the same people of the dysphoria. Also, in all his epistles, his letters, speaking in them of these things, and which are some things hard to understand. It's hard to know what he's talking about unless you dig deeper, which untaught, he says untaught, it means ignorant, unlearned people, and unstable people, twist, unstable means That they're double-minded. They're vacillating. They don't understand what's going on. And they just teach what feels good. People twist. Or rest. They pervert is what it means. Twist right there means pervert. You pervert the word of God. The writings of God. The letters of God. The teaching of God. The Bible always commentates itself. Because God doesn't change. To their own damnation. To their own destruction, their ruin, their loss. And that means physical, spiritual, and eternal. The three, the three ways you can die. Physically, spiritually, and eternally. As they do also the rest of the scriptures. Remember he's talking about false teachers. He can't shut up about them. He warns you even in his closing. And uh, he also authenticates the writings of Paul. Listen, the scriptures is where we get truth. The scriptures is where we get our marching orders. The scriptures is where we look. It's the living word of God. It's the holy uh, writ uh, that tells us the will of God, which is a holy document also. And without Christ dying, if Christ didn't die, his will can't be enacted because there has to be a death of a testator. You, therefore, there it is. Okay, now this is personal. When you read this, this is talking about you. It's talking about anybody that says they're a Christian. 
you are you therefore, because of all of this, beloved, since you know this beforehand, you have foreknowledge. That's how God chose you, his foreknowledge. He knew you were going to choose him. Beware, take heed, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, look at that. That means that he's insinuating that you're supposed to be steadfast in the faith, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labors in the Lord is not in vain. That you're going to get rewarded for. He says be steadfast. It means to be stable. Firm in your condition. To keep your mind fixed on Christ. Stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship. And understand the race that you're running. And it's about souls. And that you're supposed to be about the Father's business. That's steadfastness. Being led. Excuse me. Don't fall from your own steadfastness. Being led away with the error that's fraudulence, that's delusion. Remember 2 Thessalonians 2.11, when they wouldn't believe the simple truth and God gave them over to delusion? That's what happens. When you don't believe the simple truth of scriptures, you let somebody twist them and pervert them for you so that it makes you feel good about your life instead of you be conformed into the image of Christ, then God gives you over to delusion if you allow that to happen and you keep following it instead of being steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It, so it's uh, you're led away by that error of the wicked. But here it is, his entire theme of the whole book, but grow in the grace, the charis, God's riches at Christ's expense, and knowledge, gnoskos, that's experiential knowledge. You already recognize Jesus is Lord, and now you're going to grow in what he's doing, what he's done, what he's going to do. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And that's where we always give the glory to God. Because we're nothing of ourselves. Listen. Judgment's coming. Judgment will come. Everything is going to burn up with fire. Where are we going to be? What are we going to do now? Because we know this. What manner of people should we be? Should we live like culturality? Should we chase everything but the work and the will and the ways of God? We should get into the Word of God and learn what He's called us to be, what He desires of us, and trust Him. Don't be led by fear. Listen, we're being yanked around by our nose by fear and by liars because one world government is coming, just as Peter talked about. Listen, the angels are here, the fallen angels. They're telling you about aliens, but they're covering up the fact that those are seraphim or cherubim that are really moving. They're allowed now to increase their activity and to attack. That's why you're seeing an increase in lawlessness. That's why you're seeing all of this. Go on. Because God, just like in Genesis 6, he, they, they left their proper, he's letting some others come and deceive you. Because fire's coming and it's coming soon. But they keep saying, oh, aliens, aliens, aliens. We've been lying to you all these years about the aliens. Why would they just all of a sudden tell you they've been lying to you about aliens? Well, see, they need some way to cover up this. What's going on is a demonic activity in the air that God has allowed because we're at the end of the age and fire is getting ready to happen. But those who know Jesus are going to go in the rapture of the church. And then they've got to explain it away. Where did they go? Like a thief in the night, they were gone. There's a whole lot of stuff going on that's just a complete lie. But if you don't read the Word of God, who tells us everything beforehand, He tells us everything that's going on on the planet beforehand. 
The question is, which government are you under? Are you underneath the government of the world? It's ultimately going to be ran by the Antichrist. Or are you underneath the government of God? Are you in his house? Were you safely delivered by the precious blood of Jesus back into the Father's house? And you understand that you have a sin nature that's trying to deceive you. Your three enemies is, is your flesh, the world, and Satan. And they all lie to you. Oh, it feels good for a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Sin always feels good for a season. But you reap what you sow. And God wants us to know that that should not be the manner of our life since we know beforehand that fire is coming, that judgment is coming. Just as sure as he judged the ancient world with a flood, he's getting ready to come back again and make all things new. Are you ready? What would you change today to make you ready? Listen to me, the answer is supposed to be nothing. You're supposed to already be doing everything you're supposed to do. So if you thought of something, you better get right with God. And he's got all the power and might in the universe to help you get that right with him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter, the rock, the chip off the old block. Thank you, Lord, for Peter who put his foot in his mouth so many times. He denied you three times. And yet, Lord, he was a man after your own heart. And you used him in a glorious way with all of his frailties and all of his weaknesses. Lord, thank you that even after he returned to you, he was able to strengthen the brethren, and he strengthens us down the corridor of times. Help us to have ears to hear and to go and be doers of your word. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I